gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about the person and the work of Christ is something that not only saves us, it continually saves us and sanctifies us and it infiltrates our life. Well, good morning. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 67, the book of Psalms, and we'll be looking at Psalm 67. And as you turn there, I just want to say what a privilege and what a great joy it is to worship with you this morning, to bring God's Word to you. I'm deeply thankful for your pastor, Pastor Nathan, and for the work of God in your midst, and delighted uh, to share this time with you all. We're looking at Psalm 67. If you would, pray with me one more time. Our gracious God, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we come to you needy, hungry, and weak. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be gracious to us, that through the preaching of your word, you would cause your face to shine upon us, and show us the glory of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. By the power of your Spirit, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 92 million. I want you to hang on to that number for a moment. 92 million. Kind of feels like the number of miles I had to fly to get you. That's not what it is. 92 million is the number of selfies that are taken around the world every single day, I recently learned. 92 million selfies, that's a whole lot. That is 1,065 selfies every single second. 1,065 selfies, y'all. We live in a world where we love to look at ourselves. Our world is obsessed with the self. We live in a world of me. And as Christians living in this world, uh, it can have a conditioning effect on how we think, on how we live our lives, on where we fix our eyes. And if we're honest with ourselves, a number of us, that's kind of how we make our relationship with God to be, isn't it? We come to God for what He can do for me. Our entire approach to the Lord is basically one of, I want God to bless me. If we're honest with ourselves, many of us view the Christian life as basically that which is secure. We want to be happy, secure, and satisfied. And we want God to pour out his blessings for me. We fix our eyes on ourselves. But what we need to see more of is God. We need to see more of him and more of his plans unfolding, not just for our lives, but for the nations. And friends, this morning in God's word, we have the opportunity to take our eyes off of ourselves, to let scripture 
disrupt our self-centered plans and ambitions and fill us with a God-centered vision and ambition for His global glory. Our text this morning, Psalm 67, is a song, and this song encourages us to pray for God's blessings upon us, His people, so that we would see God's praise in the nations. We pray for His blessings upon us so that we would see His praise go through us to the nations. And as we read the text, I just want to show you the structure of the text of this song is in three stanzas, uh, verses 1 to 3, that's the first stanza of the song. Verses 4 and 5 is the second stanza, verses 6 and 7 is the third stanza, and the stanzas are broken up by this refrain that you see repeated in verses 3 and 5, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. That let me read you this text. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah. That your way may be known on earth, that your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God our God shall bless us, God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth fear him. So as we look at this text this morning, my prayer is that our hearts would be filled with joy and with longing, that we would have great joy in our God and that this joy would spill over into a longing for the nations to share our joy, that the nations might enjoy him too. I've shown you the three stanzas, the structure of the text there, and as we look through the text, we'll see three petitions that we ask the Lord for us, and then we'll see four purposes for the Lord's blessing to us. Three petitions that we ask the Lord for us, and then four purposes for the Lord's blessings to us. So let's first look at the three petitions that we're asking the Lord for. First, we ask for God's grace. We ask for His grace. Did you see verse one there? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Those words should sound familiar. You've heard that before probably. Uh, the psalmist here is taking the words of the benediction from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. It's a very common benediction that the high priest Aaron in the Old Covenant was supposed to pronounce upon the people of God in blessing them. May the Lord bless, it, bless and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. So this is a promise that God has already made to his people. And this prayer in Psalm 67 is a prayer for a blessing that God has already promised and that he's already pronounced upon his people. We're asking God to fulfill his word. And of course, the first petition there, the first thing that we're asking for is for God's grace. May God be gracious to us. In other words, we recognize that we're asking God 
for something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve to know God. We don't deserve to approach Him. We don't deserve to be able to call upon Him and ask Him for His blessing. No, the word grace there indicates that this is unmerited, God's unmerited favor, not because we have earned it, not because we deserve it, but because He is the God of grace and we are His beloved people. We call upon Him. And of course, when we speak of God's grace, that indicates His pardon for sin that He freely gives to us because of His overflowing kindness towards sinners like us. We don't deserve this because we are sinners. The very fact that we can call upon Him is His grace. You see, God is holy. He is our Creator. And He created us to worship Him. But all of us have sinned against our holy God. We have sinned and rebelled against Him. We deserve His judgment, His condemnation. We deserve eternal punishment for our sins. But God is rich in mercy. And because of His great love, He sent His only Son, God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, took on flesh, fully God, fully man, lived the perfect life as our representative, died on the cross as our substitute, taking upon Himself the judgment and the condemnation that you and I deserve for our sins. And by God's grace, whoever turns from sin and trusts in Jesus has the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We become recipients of God's grace and favor towards us in Jesus Christ. So you may be here this morning and you have never tasted God's grace. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still in your sins. And I want to call upon you. I want to call you, invite you. I want to tell you that the Lord himself is speaking to you through the scriptures this morning to turn from your sin, flee to Jesus, and receive God's infinite, matchless, and free grace, forgiveness of all your sins, and the promise of life with God forever. That can be yours today, friend, if you will trust in Christ. We ask for God's grace. That's our first petition. The second petition in this psalm is that we ask for His blessing. Did you see that? May God be gracious to us and bless us. You know, blessing is a word, a term that can be very misunderstood. So I did some research on how this word blessing is understood by going to that excellent and infallible source of information called Twitter. And I did a search on Twitter for hashtag blessed. Got some pretty interesting results. So right at the top was uh, a famous actor who was celebrating being included on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He got his star there and so it's hashtag blessed. Of course, then there are a number of social media influencers and celebrities. One person said, I have the best fans, hashtag blessed. Somehow, being blessed is closely associated, I think, with sports, because what also came up was a whole host of people's success in, in various kinds of sports. You know, running, dunking, squatting, touchdowning. <laughs> if you didn't know any better, you might think 
that the most blessed people are in, in the world are those who have some association with American football. There was uh, one video, which really caught my eye, was a guy doing the rodeo, riding this bull, and the bull was jumping up and down and said, hashtag blessed. There were sports cars and socks, right? Hashtag blessed. And, and then probably my favorite was, there, was uh, there were two pictures side by side. And the picture on the left was of a dead deer hanging on a hook. And on the right was a bunch of sausage. And the guy said, smoked some venison, hashtag blessed. We get awfully confused, don't we, when we think about what it means to be blessed? Friends, the Bible tells us what it means to be blessed. To be truly blessed is to live in covenant relationship with the one true God and to enjoy our relationship with Him. That's what the Bible means by being blessed, that we live in covenant relationship with the living God and enjoy that relationship. So that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what hardship we're going through, no matter what trials are coming into our lives, we are truly hashtag blessed because we are in covenant relationship with the God of all creation and enjoying Him. The theme of God's blessing is a major theme in Scripture. It goes all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the book of Genesis when God created Adam and Eve, placed them in the beautiful and perfect, pristine Garden of Eden. And the text tells us He blessed them. Adam and Eve were living in covenant relationship with God in the garden, enjoying His blessing. But then they sinned against God. Our first parents rebelled against God sought to rule for themselves apart from God, took the forbidden fruit, and then were exiled from God's presence, brought a curse into this world through their sin, the curse of sin and death. We all now live in a fallen world under that curse. And if God so willed, the Bible could have been just three chapters long. It could have ended right there. But God was gracious and merciful. And he began his plan of redemption, of salvation. A few chapters later, we see God enter into a covenant relationship with a man named Abraham. And he tells Abraham, I will bless you. And you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then the story continues. God establishes uh, this covenant relationship with Abraham's offspring, with his descendants, a covenant with an entire nation called Israel. And the central theme of that covenant is where God says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And God's people then become the channel for God's blessings to go to the nations. And now that blessing has been fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the true offspring of Abraham. He is the one who comes and fulfills the promise. In him, all the blessings of God go to the nations. And then we who are drawn in by him, every one of us who has trusted in Christ, his church, his people, we receive the promise. We receive the promise of God's blessing and through us that blessing goes out to all the families of the earth. And all of us don't deserve this. We deserve God's curse. We deserve the curse of death 
for our sin. We deserve the curse of everlasting punishment for our sin. But Christ Jesus has turned that curse into blessing through his death on the cross and his resurrection. He took the curse upon himself, the curse of the wrath of God towards sinners, the curse of judgment for sin. And through his death and resurrection, he has brought upon us the blessing of God. Galatians 3 verses 13 and 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's you and me. By God's grace, in Christ Jesus, we truly are blessed. And we ask God for more of that blessing. We ask God for his grace. That was our first petition. We ask God for his blessing. And third, we ask for the radiance of his face. We ask for the radiance of his face. Did you see verse one again? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. My wife gets into these moods every now and then. I'm sure a lot of husbands can relate where she begins rearranging stuff in the house. She begins putting new pictures on the walls. And a few months ago, I came back from work and I walked into our apartment and right by the front door on the left there on the wall, there were a number of pictures of our family in different seasons of life. There was one big picture of yours truly uh, and it was from several years ago when I was doing my doctoral work in seminary and I was really scrawny, sleepless, and exhausted. Looked kind of maybe 50 pounds lighter back then. And uh, strange choice of picture, but my wife pointed to that picture and she said, did you notice your face is glowing? And I looked at my face and I said, looking at this picture, yes, it is glowing. Yeah. And you know, it's not because I'm a good-looking guy or anything like that. Like I told you, I was pretty tired in the picture. But when you look at it more closely, you'll see that in my arms, I was holding my little baby daughter, Petra, who had just been born the day before. And my face was shining, glowing, beaming out of great joy and delight in this daughter that God had blessed us with. And one pastor says, when we imagine the beaming face of the proudest parent, we get but the barest glimpse of what it means for the divine face of blessing to shine upon us. God's glory shines upon his people, those whom he loves, in a special way showing his favor upon those whom he has set his love upon. And you know, this was the ultimate blessing and hope of the Old Testament, to live under God's blessing, that his face would shine upon us, his people. This is the ultimate blessing and goal of all of the scriptures of all of life is ultimately that one day we would see the face of God in all of his glory and majesty, that we would forever gaze upon his glorious face, on his beauty, that his face would shine upon us and we would be encompassed in his glory. That's the goal of life, dear friends, 
to live under the shining face of our great God. And as new covenant believers, we get to behold this glory even now. Even now in a way that they never did under the Old Testament. We behold the glory of God in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his glory. We have seen his glory full of grace and truth, the apostle John tells us. The author of Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers in the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. We behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us actually how we encounter this glory, how we see the glory of God in the face of Christ, how we behold the shining face of God. And he tells us it's through God's word. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapters three and four, Paul talks about all of us as new covenant believers with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into that glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18. In the same context, chapter 4, verse 6, he says, the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he actually tells us right there how we behold that glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He tells us it's through the proclamation of God's word. He says in verse 5, 2 Corinthians 4, what we proclaim, preach, is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He tells us we refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, but by open declaration of the truth, we commend the gospel. So we behold God's shining face, his face shines upon us in the face of Jesus Christ as we encounter him in God's word as God's word is read, as God's word is preached, and as God's word is heard. Friends, I don't know what the future will bring. I don't know what the future will look like in your country or mine, what it will look like for you or for your church. But I do know this. We need the Lord. Oh, how we need him. We need to know him. We so desperately need to enjoy him. We need to see him. We need to seek him. How desperately we need his grace, his blessing, the brightness of his glory in our lives. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to pray for this, to pursue it, to seek after him, to seek God's grace, to seek God's blessing, to seek the shining of his face in the pages of scripture. Immerse yourself in God's word, not just individually, but as a church, call out to him in prayer that God would be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Give attention to the preaching of God's word that we may hear God's word and so behold the face of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. But it doesn't just stop with us. No, his blessing doesn't just come to us and stop there. God doesn't just bless us for our own sake, nor should we seek the joy of his blessing simply for ourselves. No, if we have truly seen 
the glory and the grace and the majesty and the magnificence of our great God, then our hearts will grow and overflow with the desire to see others share in that joy, that others, that the world might receive this blessing and might share in the blessings that He showers upon us. You see, the blessing of God is so amazing, so glorious, so overflowing that we would want others to share in it. And our God is so beautiful. He is so worthy of praise that we should want His glory to be known to the ends of the earth. Why do we seek to be blessed? Why are we asking God to pour out His grace and His blessing and cause His face to shine upon us? It is so that the nations would know and God would receive the praise of which He is worthy. Dear friends, God's blessing comes upon us so that His blessing might flow through us to the ends of the earth. As Charles Spurgeon said, just as streams from mountains run into the valleys, God's blessing upon the world flows through His church. And that leads to the purposes for which we pray. We've seen three petitions that we ask for God, ask God for us as His people, His grace, His blessing, the radiance of His face. Now we look at four purposes for God's blessing to us. First, that His salvation might be known. We ask God to bless us so that His salvation might be known. Did you look at verse 2 there? May God be gracious to us, bless us, make His face to shine upon us, verse 2, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. This goes right back to the promise God made to Abraham. I will bless you and you will be a blessing and in you all nations of the earth will be blessed. And that promise has been fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ who by His blood has ransomed people from every tribe and tongue and nation providing us with salvation from our sins. If you go to the book of Revelation you see a picture of the finished work. You see people from every tribe and tongue and nation assembled around the throne singing and crying out salvation belongs to our God and worthy is the Lamb who was slain. That's the goal dear friends. That this salvation might be known to the ends of the earth. There is salvation in no one else. Apart from our Lord Jesus Christ, there is only darkness and doom. And we want the way of Yahweh to be known, that your way may be known, that the word of God would be proclaimed, that his salvation would be known to all nations. We talked about 92 million selfies a day. Here's another very sobering statistic. 55.3 million people die each year. 105 people die each minute. Six billion people have no saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in our world. Around a billion of those are in places where Christ is not named or proclaimed. They can't have God's face shine upon them because they can't hear Christ being preached. And the reason for God's blessing upon us is that they may hear and that they may know and that they may see. And so, brothers and sisters, this ought to be our ambition. We ought to pray and give and send and go that they may hear and know. 
Now John Piper says there are only three kinds of Christians in the world. The first is those who send. The second is those who go for the name of Christ. And the third is those who are disobedient. So which one are you? I pray that by the hearing of God's word today and week after week in this church that the Lord would stir up some of you, that he would work in your hearts to go to the nations. Maybe look for a job in Abu Dhabi where I live or some other city in the world where you can live and support the work of the church and see Christ named and share the gospel with those who have never heard. I pray that God would move in your hearts to have a global awareness, a commitment to the work of missions, to pray for those regularly whom you send, to keep in touch with them, encourage them in their work, write to them, that our hearts would burn and bleed with a passion for the glory of God in the nations. We ask for God's blessing first that his salvation might be known. Second, we ask for God's blessing so that his righteousness might be enjoyed. That his righteousness might be enjoyed. Did you see verse 4? Look at verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. We might look at that and ask, why are we saying that we're going to rejoice that the nations would sing for joy when God judges people with justice? Well, it's because all around the world, people live under the oppression of injustice and unrighteousness. The kingdoms of this world, no matter which country you live in, are marked by injustice, by oppression, by unrighteousness, and by evil. And things keep going from bad to worse, no matter where you are. Many are broken under the yoke of injustice. But friends, Jesus Christ is the King of kings. And all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. He rules and he reigns and his kingdom is advancing. The Lord rules this world in righteousness. He will set this world aright. He will bring perfect judgment with perfect equity, with perfect righteousness. He will establish his righteousness over his creation. And this is a source of infinite joy. This is good news to the nations. And we want to see them know the righteousness, the justice, the perfect judgment of our God. We ask for God's blessing so that his salvation may be known. Second, that his righteousness may be enjoyed. Third, our third purpose for God's blessing is that his goodness might be feared. That God's goodness might be feared. Look at verses 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And this is kind of a strange combination, if you think about it. It might seem strange. We're speaking of God's goodness. We're speaking of, of his blessing. God our God shall bless us. And the response that we expect is fear. How do those go together? It's kind of like 
Peter when the Lord Jesus Christ blessed him and displayed his goodness and Peter's nets were overflowing with fish and they burst open. Peter says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Sometimes we associate fear with a completely negative ideal. Like fear is something to be avoided and it's a negative emotion. And yes, in many cases, fear can be quite negative. But the Bible speaks of a different kind of fear when it speaks of the fear of the Lord. No, it's a thrilling, overwhelming, beautiful fear. It is, as one author says, joy raised to its highest degree. It's joy that is raised to its highest degree that comes from knowing God God himself in the fullness of his glory and grace and kindness towards us in Christ. It's, it's sort of when you're, at, like, kind of like when you go to a mountain peak, some of you I know have been at mountain peaks and you're standing at the edge of the cliff and you're looking out over a vast expanse and as you look out over that overwhelming expanse and beauty, your jaw drops. And, and you feel this awe come upon you and your palms get sweaty and your knees get shaky and you begin to grow, get cold all over and, and you feel this overwhelming thrill of the sight that is before you. And friends, that's just a very, very small glimpse of what it's like to behold and to know the living God in all of his goodness and grace and glory and magnificence and majesty. When we know him in Christ, we are overwhelmed by the sight and we are thrilled to our hearts and we rejoice with trembling and we fall down and say, there is none like you, O God. Truly, there is no one like you. To you alone belongs all glory and honor and praise. That's what it means to fear God. As Michael Reeves says, true fear of God comes from true love for God in the full-orbed revelation of His glory and majesty and all oh, that we would desire the nations to fear Him in that way. Oh, that we would summon the nations into the fear and thrill of knowing this great, good, and majestic God, there is glory in no one else. And you know, it's interesting, he is talking here about the harvest, and, and the psalmist is in an agrarian, this is an agrarian society, and he speaks about God's blessing, the harvest yielding an increase, as though it's already happened there in verse 6. He's praying for God's blessing, but then he says, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. He's speaking of God's blessing as though it has already come. And when he's talking about the earth yielding its increase, this is sort of a reversal of the fall, of the curse. As you go back to Genesis 3, and you see that the earth was to be unfruitful. Here in response to the prayers of his people, God makes the earth fruitful. And the result of that is that the nations would know and praise and enjoy and fear the one true God. That's why God blesses us, even materially. God blesses us so that we might have the joy of sharing in His work, in His mission, by giving generously for the work of the gospel to go forth. So I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, 
to be generous in your giving, to be faithful in your giving for the sake of his name, for the work of missions. The purposes for God's blessings upon us, first we saw was that his salvation might be known, second that his righteousness might be enjoyed, third that his goodness might be feared, and finally we see that God blesses us so that his glory might be praised that God's glory might be praised. That's the overarching theme of this psalm. Did you see verse three? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That's repeated again in verse five. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you because he is worthy of that praise. And our desire, the desire of the psalmist, our desire, your desire as a church should be to see the God who is worthy of all praise receive the praise of which he is worthy in the nations whom Christ has purchased by his blood. One of the great joys and privileges of my life is pastoring the congregation that I serve in Abu Dhabi. And our membership comprises of people from 46 different nations. It's a real blessing. And every week as we gather on the Lord's Day, one of the things that I do is I position myself, I sit in the same seat, left corner, and as we sing, I actually turn this way so that I'm I'm looking out on the whole congregation. And I just watch them praise. People from India and Pakistan, the East Africans, the West Africans, the South Africans, the Indonesians and the Filipinos, all of the happy Latin Americans, people from East and West, all united by the blood of Christ. This praise of the nations, the praise of the nations to our God is what Jesus purchased by his blood, by his death on the cross. And I I'm thrilled to get a small glimpse of that in our congregation of Abu Dhabi, looking forward to the day when we will all be gathered from every tribe and tongue and nation around the throne of God forever and ever crying out, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Salvation belongs to our God. And so with the psalmist we say, God of mercy, God of grace, show the brightness of thy face. Shine upon us, Savior, shine. Fill thy church with light divine so that as our church burns brightly with the glory of Christ, the nations will be summoned in to know and worship our great God. Heritage Baptist Church, God, our God, has blessed you as a church. He's blessed you to live in this nation where you have freedom to worship him, to gather and worship and sing his praise. He's blessed you with this great facility in which you can congregate and hear God's word preached. He has blessed you with a strong congregation united around the word of God. He has blessed you with faithful pastors who faithfully preach to you the word of God. And I want to encourage you, may these blessings continue to be channeled outwards so that the ends of the earth might know and enjoy and fear and praise our God through your sending, through your giving, and through your going for God's global glory.
Oh, God, show mercy to us and bless us with your grace and cause to shine upon us the brightness of your face so that the whole world over may truly know your way and so that your salvation all nations see displayed oh god let peoples praise you let all the peoples praise let nations come rejoicing and songs of gladness raise let's pray Father, we thank you for so great a glory that we enjoy in and through our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask that you would be gracious to us and bless us, cause your face to shine upon us so that the nations may be glad and sing for joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.